The scripture tells us that Jesus Christ came to put sin to death. That Jesus Christ came to undo the uh, evil actions of Satan himself. So we gather this morning in this podcast that originally was, well, originally was named uh, Mornings in the Spirit with Pastor Doug. I guess it still is, but I'm I'm dealing more particularly with uh, Lenten issues, and I'm going to focus down even more narrowly than just uh, an overview of Lent. Um, I'm going to focus on sin and guilt and how the passion of Christ and how the resurrection of Christ put sin or or put sin into forgiveness and transformed our sinful life into a life in the image of Jesus Christ himself. When I was growing up, uh, I, I belonged to uh, the Christian church, Church of Christ, and truthfully, I, I never... I never knew what Lent was, except it was something that the Catholics did, and later on I found out it was something the Lutherans did, the Presbyterians, and uh, some of the United Methodists, and and then, lo and behold, I found out the Disciples of Christ uh, do Lent. And I think Lent, this is my own opinion, and only my opinion, I think Lent perhaps, well, perhaps it's become a ritual and it's lost its power. Uh, And the power of Lent is found in the scriptures when they talk about sin and confession and repentance and all these things. So I'm going to focus on, on that in these podcasts from now through Easter. And I plan to end on a, an extremely positive, profoundly positive note by uh, just naming that Christ has overcome sin. So keep that in mind as we go through these, these early podcasts. I'm going to read from Genesis, the third chapter, a familiar passage of Scripture, particularly to most of you who have grown up in the church, you know about the fall in Genesis, the third chapter. But I want to approach it from a little bit different angle today, I hope. So let's look at this with fresh eyes. And the most important point of looking at it with fresh eyes that I want to emphasize today is that we know where evil originated. We know. And this is not something that the world knows. Uh, The world will attribute evil 
even to God. They will say, well, God made Satan, you know, and and so it's God's fault. The evil in the world is God's fault. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've heard that. And sometimes in my own sin, I have lessened the impact of that sin in my own mind by saying, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. But it is a big deal, and we can see this in Genesis, the third chapter. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, that is the serpent, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Oh, man, half-truths are bad, aren't they? The woman, that was my own commentary, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You must not touch it. Or you will die. I don't remember God, at least in the scriptures, I don't see where God said you must not touch it. I think Eve was feeling a bit deprived of something. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, half-truths. They, uh, they really put the death on people. You, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God is keeping this special thing for himself. When the woman, but remember that the devil, the scripture says, Jesus said that the devil is a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and the wife, well, I wanted to make just a, a quick statement there. 
Perhaps we're still making fig leaves <laughs> to try to cover over sin when sin cannot be covered with a fig leaf. For when sin is hidden, it has a way of being found out, doesn't it? The only covering for sin is the blood of Christ. So they made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. David spent almost an entire psalm saying we cannot hide from God. No matter where we go, God is there. We cannot hide from the eyes of the one who searches the hearts. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was... I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Don't you just hate questions that, that just cut to the heart, get to the heart of the matter, and that answering the question just incriminates yourself? I just hate those kind of questions, but... When God wants to convict us of sin, he asks these kind of questions. So he said, who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, what, the woman, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Nothing like throwing your partner under the bus, huh? Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, Well, the servant deceived me, and I ate. I'll leave the reading of the rest of this scripture to another time. But do you see how it goes from shame to hiding to blaming somebody else? And then Eve's statement. Don't you get it? Eve's statement that the serpent deceived her and she ate was actually blaming the Creator. The Creator created this serpent. And so, therefore, it's the Creator's fault. Wow. You know, <laughs> I, I, find it, I find it very funny, actually. I mean, almost belly-laughing funny when people talk about the early ancestors of man being so 
primitive. You know, I have no idea, actually. I guess it depends on, on you know, what theologian you talk to or what uh, scientist you talk to. When this story was framed in, uh, in, in other words, we know, we, those of us who believe the Scripture, believe that there was really an Adam and really an Eve. There was really a Garden of Eden, and there was really a serpent who was for a brief time uh, em- embodying uh the deceiver, the liar, the father of sin, the father of lies, uh, the accuser, okay? Uh, And one of the things that I find hilarious is when people say the primitives were different than we are. Well, yeah, they're they're different in their lack of modern conveniences and so forth. But just taking that, for instance, I wonder how many of us, if all the electricity was cut off, if all the computers died, uh, how helpless would we feel? Really, how helpless would we feel? Uh, you get just a glimpse of that when you see uh, modern YouTubers uh, show teenagers that are introduced to the old rotary phones, okay? And they're told to call somebody. And they're staring at this thing and they're trying to figure out, well, well, where's the send button? And and how how do you... How do you get to the number? Uh, what, what do you do with all this? And, I mean, it's hilarious because the teenagers, you know, they're just showing how helpless they are to make a phone call if they don't have their cell phones. Well, it's like that only in a much more serious way when we think of Adam and Eve and we are deceived to think they are different. I mean, categorically different than we are. They are not different than we are. They they were made in the image of God. We are made in the image of God. Is that not right? I mean, I believe that's right, that we are made truly in the image of God. So... Uh, their reaction to sin is very similar to our reaction to sin. Now, how they reacted to sin that was so damaging, I'm going to just sum it up for us and and say, all right, uh, there was shame in their reaction to sin. Was there not uh, a great deal of shame involved in that? Uh, shame to the point that they tried to make clothes. And the good thing about it, though, is that they had shame. 
some people, some moderns, have devolved, spiritually devolved, not evolved, but devolved into people who don't have shame anymore. We, we can't blush. And it comes from the idea that if we sin the same sin enough times, we become numb to the shame of it. So I think it is a positive thing that Adam and Eve felt shame. Sometimes it is true that we need to feel shame. And yet look at God. God, in the end of things there, made coverings of skin, animal skin, for Adam and Eve. You see, Eve's attempt and Adam's attempt to cover up their sin and their shame was futile. But God, even though he punished them, even though he showed to them his disappointment, he still covered up their shame. Jesus does that. So there is a time for shame, but there is also a time to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. So they also blamed, I mean, hey, uh, Adam blamed the woman and, and also God. You know, because he said, the woman that you gave me, would you give me this kind of a woman for God? You could have given me a woman that wouldn't have taken and eaten of this fruit and then gave it to me. Don't you see that it's it, the, the responsibility lies with Eve? <laughs> oh, my. And so began the battle of the sexes, so to speak. But it doesn't matter whether we blame the opposite sex or whether we blame ourselves. Well, it doesn't matter whether we blame ourselves. But whoever we blame other than ourselves, if we blame anyone else other than ourselves for our sin, then we don't take responsibility for it. There's no confession of sin. Yes, Adam said that he ate, you know, that I mean that he was naked and he didn't argue with God, uh, you know, that he had eaten from the tree, but he blamed Eve and he blamed God for eat, for himself eating from that tree. But it is not ours to blame anybody. The way that we transform from our sinful nature is to take responsibility for our sin, not to blame our mom or our dad or uh, our country or our culture or our church, uh, but, but in fact to take responsibility for ourselves. You know, people oftentimes, when they're asked about their sin, uh, they would say, 
And I've heard them say this. You have too. They would say, well, you know, all those hypocrites in the church, they're no better than I am. I'm just as good as they are. And what are they saying? They're actually blaming the church people for not coming to God. Hmm. How convenient. We have evolved so much spiritually that that we still use the same defenses for sin. And so I got to the point with these folks that I would say, you're right, you're right, you are. You are as good as, as the church people in my church. And you're no worse than, or, and than any of them. Uh, but I would say, you know what? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It was Jesus' responsibility and ministry and calling to die for our sins. But at the same time, as we accept that atoning gift of the cross, we accept responsibility for our own sin. Isn't that right? And then uh, the cover-up. And the cover-up was almost comical if, if it wasn't so tragic that Adam and Eve thought, thought they could cover up their sin by, number one, cutting down some fig leaves and trying to cover up the exposed parts, the parts of them that had, you know, become shameful. Not shameful because God made them shameful, but shameful because their sin had made themselves shameful. And God cut through all of that hiding, including the hiding from God in the garden. God cut through it all when he says, have you eaten from that tree? that I commanded you not to eat from. In other words, it wasn't so much the eating as the condition of Adam's heart that allowed him, that in fact motivated him to eat from that tree. We must all realize that the condition of our fallen heart is, as uh, Jeremiah said, desperately wicked. Mm. That's not to cut us down. That is to seek, to motivate us to seek the covering of God in the midst of of our shame. So, as we progress through these podcasts leading up to Easter, I want to always leave us focused on what God has done.
to undo our sinful condition. And in one fails swoop of activity, Jesus covered our sins on the cross. And so as we are washed, as we are cleansed, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we realize that only God can really cover our sins. Thank you, God, for covering our sins. Thank you for not allowing us to just parade about naked, naked in our sin, but that we might go about our lives after we have come to you, that we might go about our lives cleansed and clothed with the righteousness of God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for this grace. In Jesus' name, amen.